happening, food eaters? This is the Food Labels Revealed podcast with your host, Mel Weinstein, the humble, self-professed prophet of processed foods. This is episode number 61. As mentioned earlier in the year, I intend to add other voices to this podcast by including interviews with noted authors and authorities in the world of processed foods. For today's program, I talk with Ruth Winter, a prolific writer on the subjects of health and consumer advocacy. She has written a whopping 37 books on a variety of topics. She started her work as a journalist and was a former science editor for the new work Star Ledger, as well as a syndicated columnist for the LA Times. She has received recognition throughout her career, including the American Medical Writers Award for Magazine Writing, the National Association of Science Writers Service Award, and the American Society of Authors and Journalists Career Achievement Award for Nonfiction. Miss Winner is particularly known for two consumer-oriented books, A Consumer's Dictionary of Cosmetics and A Consumer's Dictionary of Food Additives. It was the latter book that connected me with her writing. The Dictionary of Food Additives has been my constant companion and reference source since I started this podcast. Although the last edition of the book came out in 2009, I have not come across any other food additive guide that can match Ms. Winter's book for its comprehensiveness or thoroughness. Before getting to the interview, I need to make a few comments. Ms. Winter mentions that a forerunner to her food additives book was Poisons in Your Food, The Dangers You Face and What You Can Do About Them, last revised in 1990. Based upon some faulty research on my part, I stated in the interview that I didn't think that book was still available. Well, I was wrong. It can be purchased through Amazon, and I'll include a link in the show notes. In response to one of my questions, Ms. Winter talks about GRAS, G-R-A-S. That's an acronym for Generally Recognized as Safe, and is used by the Federal Food and Drug Administration to identify new additives that don't require rigorous safety and health testing by that agency. Listeners, I, I hope you enjoy this interview. I'll return on the back end to summarize a few key points and to finalize the episode. Ms. Winner, welcome to the Food Labels Revealed podcast. Hey, can I call you Ruth? Oh, thank you. Can sure. I call you Ruth? Yes, please do. All right, thanks. I'm thrilled to have you as a guest on the program. When I first got interested in the subject of food labels and the many additives that showed up in processed foods, your book, The Bible, A Consumer's Dictionary of Food Additives, was my go-to reference. I fished around for other... It's still found. Yes, it's still available. I fished around for other books on the subject, but the handful that I found didn't come close to the comprehensiveness and ease of use of your book. The first publication was released way back in 1978, and I have the one published in 2009, the last one. Yeah, that is a long story with that, why I can't do the next edition because Crown, my publisher, wouldn't pay for the, uh, you have to have specialists uh, do the copy editing 
and it was too expensive, so they wouldn't let me do a ninth oh, edition. That's a shame. Or eighth edition yeah. was eighth, yeah. Well, so, it was... And they wouldn't give me the rights back to the book either. Oh. It was still selling, so I couldn't do it. But I have that um, blog that I do that's okay. called The Consumer Ingredients, and that's where I do both food and additives and cosmetic ingredients. Okay. You haven't started on cosmetics, have you? No, that's not an area I have explored. Yeah. Well, anyway, right, getting back... You want to know how I started? Yeah, well, wait a second. Well, I'll, I'll get to that question in a moment if you can hold okay. off a little bit. Sure. I was uh, referring back to the uh, Consumer's Dictionary of Food Additives. It was obviously a very popular book since it went through seven editions. For the, right. for the various topics that I cover in the podcast, I still find myself frequently referring to that book. And I wish that a newer edition was available. And as you explained, that's not likely to happen anytime soon. And it's unfortunate because no, it's so many more additives now have wound up in commercial foods in the I last know, 11 years. 500 a year that they put out. 500 a year? Okay, that's a number I had not come yeah. across. Wow. Now, you were a prolific writer throughout your career as a journalist and health advocate with a publication of 37 books, uh, including the sister book, which you kind of referred to, A Consumer's Dictionary of Cosmetic Ingredients. But being that this show is about food ingredients and processed foods, I'm just going to address my questions to, to those topics only. Okay. Okay. So let's get. Don't forget, my first book was Poisons in Your Food, which is what I started with, and that's how the other book grew out of it. Oh, you see, I looked around for that book, Poisons in Your Food, and I did not yeah. find that I could even find a copy of it anywhere. So it's, it's no longer being published. Obviously, it would be nice to. I don't uh, know. I think I didn't even get it from Amazon or well, no. I see it around some places. Yeah, I went and to they Amazon. Charge a lot of money for it. Yeah, so. I went to Amazon and it was it was not available yeah. there unless I you know unless I could buy a used copy like I said for a lot of money. So let's yeah, let's, right. let's start with some personal history. I saw in your bio that you earned a Master's of Science degree. What was your major? But. Uh, my major in undergraduate was English, which everybody laughs at. <laughs> and my uh, master's was in publishing, actually. They gave a science degree for publishing. Huh. So had so you wind up? Had you wind up as a journalist writing on topics of health and science? Well, first of all, I was a general reporter. Then I married a doctor. And the doctors were not allowed to talk to journalists, which you can believe it. They weren't allowed to talk and they weren't allowed to publish for the public. And uh, that, all that changed, so they thought that the doctors would be more likely to talk to me. But the reason I started on food additives was that my daughter, our daughter, had hives, intractable hives, and they couldn't find out where the hives were coming from. And the uh, allergist said, well, maybe it's the penicillin in the milk. And I said, what's penicillin doing in the milk? He said, well, the farmers don't have to have a, a veterinarian 
uh, treat the animals. They treated them themselves. And so I pushed that out and that that started me on the whole thing. I thought there was um, a FDA inspector looking over everybody's shoulder all along the lines and there weren't, there still aren't. It was spot check, that's all. So did you mention a specific chem- a specific uh, chemical that was in the milk? Penicillin. Oh, penicillin. Okay. All right. I don't think I ever yeah. knew that. that was- and it's still uh, in uh, fees, even though it's not supposed to be. But you can't couldn't tell who put the penicillin in the milk because they're pools. So uh, they never could trace down which farmer was putting penicillin in their animals that got in the milk. Okay, yeah, I knew they had, uh, there were other antibiotic additives that were placed in feed for, for dairy cows, but I didn't, I didn't know penicillin was, was used. Yeah, that was the, the first, that's what got me on the line when he, I said, what's penicillin doing in the milk? So from there, I, all those books came out. Wow, interesting. So how did you get interested in, in, in writing this uh, this dictionary was was there other influences uh, on you that uh, caused you to write well, a consumer's did. dictionary of food additives? Yeah, I did poison your food, which was a good seller. So my editor uh, said, "Why don't you do something a book with cosmetics and food additives?" And I started doing. I said, "There's too many. I can't do one book. It has to be two books." So we started, did two books, and that's how they came out. One is in cosmetics and one is in food items. And when I did the cosmetic one, they said, uh, you know, they didn't have to worry about it because it doesn't penetrate the skin. So they were not uh, interested in regulating it that much, but it does penetrate the skin. Everything that you put on your skin, it penetrates it. Right. and the food additives, of course, are, you know, so many. And it, most of our food comes from Europe and from South America. And uh, checking it as it comes in is very, almost non-existent. Because the uh, FDA is short of people. They they just hired more this year, this year. But there are only about 150 that uh, have to look after the additives and the, and the ports and stuff like that. So they're very understaffed and underappreciated. The ones I know are really nice people. Mm. Yeah. And they try to do their job and they get uh, a decent salary now. They get more money than they got before, but they still could get much more in private, uh, private practice than they could for the FDA. Right. So you gotta appreciate them. Yeah. I just they showed me once a picture of uh, snails and the, all the uh, stuff that snails have around them, all the dreck, the stuff. And I never ate snails since. In about thirty years, I never ate them again. And I used to love them. Yeah, the things you learn about that can turn you off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the last 60 years, our government has approved over 9,000 additives 
for use in foods, and including many of them which were grandfathered since the early days of food manufacturing. Right. So when you start writing a That's consumer's dictionary of food attitudes, were you shocked to find out how many chemicals were being used in commercial foods, and, and what surprised you the most? Well, uh, the carcinogens, the cancer-causing agents, that's surprising that they knew that, and they still know. The funny part is that the Cancer Institute, or the uh, cancer group in the government, has a lot of additives that they say are carcinogenic, and the FDA could have access to them. I'm sure they know, but they don't do anything about it because the... The public doesn't know much about it, but there's a whole list of food additives that uh, may have caused cancer. But the problem with cancer is that it takes 20 years to develop, whereas toxic stuff can ha- happen faster. But cancer is long term, and I would say there's so few uh, genetic cancers. I think it's something like 25 or uh, out of all a hundred, but all the rest are environmental. And what's environmental is the uh, food and the contaminants from the environment. I think that the environmental working group really does a good job and the people besides listening to your program want to look at the uh, environmental working group's material, that's good too. Right, yeah, I've come across that. Yeah, yeah, they do some good research and and publicize it. Yeah, right. Okay, when you published the dictionary, I'll just call it the dictionary for short, did did you get any flack from commercial food manufacturers? And was it well received in the food industry and and, and by government? No, they hated me. They called me a nut among the berries, which (laughs) I liked. You didn't get any threats or anything like that because of the book, did you? Oh, no, no. Okay. No. They didn't have the internet, so they didn't know where I was, except as a newspaper. Well, you were affecting the bottom line of some of those companies, I'm sure, with the information that you provided. Yeah, they didn't like me. So do you think the government, our government, does an adequate job in protecting public health in terms of uh, food ingredients? No, I think that there's a lot to be done, but they're trying and they uh, they need more people and they need more money. And uh, they, the um, senators, two senators have been trying to get a bill passed that would uh, cosmetics and, and food out of this bill, and they haven't been able to get it through. And uh, everybody was excited the last uh, time, it was about, I think, a year ago. They tried, and I said, don't get excited because it won't go through, and it didn't. It was put on the side and never came up again. Hmm. What were the, and, what uh, were the details uh, of the bill? How would, how would it have addressed uh, things that weren't currently in the law? Well, they had, you know, more oversight. Oversight? More, 
and now now it's like the uh, Europeans have E for their uh, additives in their you know when they list the additives, which means it's it's good. They've they've checked it, but we have grass, which means generally recognized as safe, and we allow the uh, companies to decide which of their products is grass now, and uh, they give their research to the FDA, and the FDA looks it over, and if they think it's valid, they say grass, but they have no testing of it. They just read the, what the uh, report that the uh, companies give them. So that, I think, is a big hole in the dike. Yeah. Well, you, you brought up the Europeans, and uh, they, they have this system called the E-number system for their food additives, which is, which is yeah. very public, and anybody in Europe you know, can have access to this E-number system where all the food additives are listed and they're described, and if there's any hazards associated with them, uh, those are also described. That's the European Union, yeah. but who knows what's going to happen now with that Brexit and all the chaos going on and COVID, so they don't have much time for the uh, meetings on the food additives or the cosmetic ingredients. Mm-hmm. Do you think the Europeans are monitoring commercial foods more carefully than the American government Yes. Is? Yes, they are? Yes, because they're different countries, and uh, they do. They do more better, and they have experts come in from different countries, and so that there's not the pressure from uh, these big food companies or cosmetic companies. They're like the um, tobacco companies where they can put uh, pressure on the uh, politicians and on the uh, agencies. So, but I think that it's better than it was when I did. But still got a long way to go. Yeah. And now with all the things going on, it's probably worse with, you know, COVID. I think that they spend their time and their money and there are just so many um, experts in the field and uh, they lure them away with more money. Yeah, so so, so you're, you're suggesting that the the lobbyist influence is not as great in in Europe in terms of their regulatory agencies as as it is in this country. Yeah, right. Because it's not one country; it's experts from different countries. Right. So I think that's what I think. You know. Yeah. All right. Next question: How concerned are you about non-identified or incidental ingredients? Things like contaminants such as chemicals from plastics, antibiotics, veterinary medicines, bacterial and viral organisms. Do you think they get enough attention in terms of uh, food well, safety they're, they're and health? Well, they're starting to with They're starting to get attention with the plastics that they have in the linings and the uh, even baby food. But uh, the water is a big problem, real big problem because they have a lot of contaminants in the water that gets into the processing business. And uh, that's, that's a problem. And runoff from like farms and stuff is still a problem. They have uh, the exodus from the cows and the sheep and everything. And 
it runs off and into the water, so. And then you have pesticides that run off into the water and run off. So you got a lot of contaminants, but it's a big job. I don't know whether people put enough pressure. They do respond to pressure. Your readers, your viewers, I mean, uh, have a say if they write a letter. Most of them, if they have a problem, they don't write a letter to the FDA, but there's a reporting place uh, for consumers to make their uh, ideas known. So you should, if you are concerned about something, write to the FDA and they will pay attention. Okay, so so that's more consumer driven than it is uh, the government uh, yes. spending a lot of time and resources uh, determining what kinds of contaminants were, were present in foods, if, you know, if they come, if it comes from water or, or other sources. Right, and they, the way they catch um, where they have toxins in food or uh, and, um, contaminants in food is when people report them and there are a lot of people in one area that get sick. Mm-hmm. And then they report it, and then they get no. But there's nobody out there really looking and testing the food. Yeah, yeah, that's a. So, so what you don't know. Reporting a problem is uh, if somebody's sick in your family from something you ate, uh, you should report it. Yes. So, so what we don't know can be just as troublesome as what we we do know exists in foods that could be harmful. That's right. We don't know a lot, and uh, you get you know they don't test all the additives that come in, and it takes years. From my first book, there's still the same problem that there were in the, in the first book with antibiotics and contaminants and toxins. These, but I think that the people are more aware of it, and uh, foodborne illnesses are really spiking up. Because everybody eats out or eats fast food, and or the food that they get from the supermarket may be there for a long time. It's it's a real problem. It's up to the individual who listens to your program and who reads my books that they are aware of what they're doing. Yeah. Because you have good advice. Right. So, are you an advocate of uh, trying to consume? mostly if possible organic foods do you think that is a good way to go to avoid these incidental ingredients that uh, could wind up in foods that that could harm us i'll tell you i don't think you can avoid uh, many of the harmful foods but how you do it is eat a berry diet and eat you know just eat different uh, foods uh, instead of the same food all the time and variation is is good and uh, you know it's hard because there's a problem with stuff we inherit in uh, import from mexico and from other countries where they use human waste for fertilizer and uh, you don't know what's on there and who really checks it so <laughs> you have to if you use variation and don't eat too much it's pretty good that's the only way you can defend yourself, I think. And plus, know your, um, know what you want to avoid. Read up on it. Make yourself uh, that an expert on it. Right. So, so number one is yeah. diversity, 
And number two is inform yourself. Yes, right. That's the only way you can really protect yourself because nobody's looking at your food. Yeah. That's well, uh, what about these new food creations that are, are hitting the marketplace, like bioengineered foods and lab-grown meat? Uh, do you have any uh, thoughts or opinions about that? I don't know. Not I haven't studied it. I think it's a really fertile field for study because it is made in the laboratory. Right. But it, I have to have, you know, do some research, and I haven't researched that at all. Yeah, it's a whole new area of uh, of food. Yeah, it is. Uh, brand new. It's only and been around. Hamburger, hamburgers are out already. Yeah. And, uh, I think there's some fish that's uh, laboratory-made, but I don't know about it, frankly. I haven't researched. Maybe it's an idea, but... I think it's early yet. Yeah, you're right, it's early, but I think it's coming within a couple of years. Uh, right now, oh, right now... It's coming now, yeah. Yeah, right now it's real expensive. Uh, and, it's like know, electric cars. They're coming. They're coming. <laughs> Be ready. Yeah. Another thing, yeah, another, right. another thing to educate ourselves about uh, before we jump into it. All right, well, next question. Uh, no, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, processed foods sold in groceries are required to have ingredient labels to inform people about what they are consuming. But national chain restaurants don't have to have that same requirement. Do you think the government should mandate that consumers have the right to know what ingredients are used in restaurant foods, particularly uh, from the chain restaurants? I don't know about that. I don't have a strong opinion on that. I think that when you go out to eat, you know what you, you should know what you're going to eat and what you're going to order and what's in it. You should relax when you go out to have a meal outside. But I don't think it's that. And besides, which who's going to uh, regulate how they uh, put the ingredients? And that's a big problem because you don't know even the ingredients are listed on the label whether they're that's a true amount and how much it really is. They say uh, one, yeah, one little thing is a serving out of a whole jar. So it's, I don't know who, it's supposed to be the Federal Trade Commission to watch the advertising, watch what they put on labels as well as the FDA. So I really uh, have no opinion about that because if you go out to eat, in a restaurant, you should enjoy yourself and know what you're ordering. Don't order anything that's fatty or, you know, enjoy yourself. Yeah. So that's... Yeah, you, you can I, know what you're ordering. You, you can know what you're ordering, but you don't know the actual ingredients no, that's present. No, you can ask the uh, but they won't tell you right. the truth. And you can ask hands for the chef, and uh, they usually get very... Uh, Opening about it, you know. Right. See, to, <laughs> was in it. Yeah. I mean, to uh, me, to me, that's a big you know, problem. I don't know how often you eat out, but like McDonald's, there's plenty of research on McDonald's and uh, the Burger King and all those. So you should look it up. The internet is marvelous. You just right. put it in there and look at it yourself, right. or listen to you when you have it on your program. Right. There are a few handfuls of restaurants that do post 
at their websites the ingredients that are in their menu items. But unfortunately, the, it's, a, it's a vast minority that to actually provide yeah. that information. And I think it's important right. because more and more people are eating out, and that's a, that's, that's a large part of their food consumption uh, anymore. And so it's, a, it, you know, it's really important to know what, what you're consuming if, you're, you're, if that's the way you're eating. I agree with you, but I don't think it's practical. Yeah, yeah, you may be yeah, right. I don't know who's going to watch them. Right, it would yeah, have same to... Same with the labels. How do, how do you know the labels? Are, I can't have salt, but I can't have sugar. So I have to look at the label, and besides which, they made them bigger, but not big enough for older people to look, to be, to be able to read what the You're ingredients right. are. You're right, particularly on small, yeah, small containers. Know. You have to pull out a magnifying glass with the small yeah, packages. Right. Yeah, <laughs> All right. Next question. So you kind of you kind of mentioned this already. Do you still regularly read food labels, and and how careful? Oh, I, yeah. When I first did the uh, food additive book, they people said nobody's going to sit and read the labels. It's a waste of time. And now I just stand behind people reading labels. You have to wait till they get finished. So the people do read labels now, and they never used to. So. That's that good is to one know. Big plus. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of information on those on those uh, food packages, and so yeah, people are becoming more educated. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. have to be young to be able to read them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got to be able to read them. So, so how careful are you these days in choosing what commercial foods that you eat, or maybe you don't eat commercial foods? I'm making an assumption here. No, I have to eat. Uh, mostly fresh food because I have a problem with salt and with sugar so okay. I've got to eat a lot of vegetables and a lot of unprocessed food. Great. So That's very good. So you, but, but I'm different. So you, you yeah, eat but, mainly... You know, I have a restricted diet. Yeah. So you eat mainly whole foods. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I have, yeah, as fresh as you can get. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's a healthy way of eating for sure. Yeah, but you know, like your oranges or whatever come from California or, or Mexico and they're on a train for a long time before they get to you. So I don't know how, you know, the nutrition and the foods, you don't really know how long they've been in process. Right. Yeah. So eating local. You, so. so eating local is always better if you can, if you can do it. Yeah, if you can. If you can, yeah. Yeah. So, but I live in an area where they're farms, so I don't have too much problem. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier in the interview that your book, you know, the Dictionary of Food Additives, uh, is there's not going to be any future edition of it. But do you know? Well, if, I don't know. I was just wondering if they you won't knew let me. if you knew of anybody else working on a book like that that would. No, the only the only thing I know, not a book, but I. I know that uh, the EWG, Environmental Working Group, and the Mayo Clinic has uh, material on it. They don't have books. Oh, maybe they do have books. I think Environmental Working Group has a book, I think. Right. But there must be somebody working on, I don't know, anybody that would have the patience to do that book now, even though there's an internet. If you get, I can't imagine that I did it without an internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, sub subsequent books were 
I use an internet, but mm-hmm. otherwise I just go to the libraries. Yeah, it certainly it certainly would be a lot of work. Yeah. It would require yeah. a lot of work and effort to put something together like that today. Right. Yeah. Plus, it would probably be twice the size of your book. Pardon me. I didn't the, that. the probably if somebody worked on a new book, a new dictionary of food additives, it would yeah. probably be twice no, twice the size of, of the one that you wrote. Came out after imitation books, but right. they weren't as complete, and probably somebody working on it now. I don't know. Yeah, hey, I don't and know either. And the, I um, Amazon. I keep my eyes open for it, and I ha- I haven't noticed yeah. any, anything coming down the pipe there. No. All right. Well, the last uh, last couple of questions for you, Ruth. Are you working on any new projects now? Uh, I just finished my first fiction book and I have it out for uh, hopefully somebody will take it I don't know but uh, it took me 20 years to do it 20 so years I finally finished that can and, you, can uh, you tell us a little my blog. can you tell us a little bit about your your fiction book is it about about the subject so it's, it's food? True, based on a true story from uh, that happened down here where a girl a Dutch girl was shipwrecked with her husband and the Indians killed her husband and took her captive. And the whole story how she lived down here and her house was still standing. But of course I changed everything so okay. you couldn't identify her. So it's historical but, fiction. Uh, it's historical, a historical novel. Uh, something, another book on um, male uh, infertility. Really? Because most of the, a lot of the food additives um, affect, uh, you know, are endocrine imitators and they affect male sperm plus men are not getting married before 45 and after 45 they have more incidence of uh, infertility hmm. so I think there's, there's a good uh, book there but good story I just, to tell uh, talk to my agent so okay. I did that and then uh, I have a blog that I keep up with with the cosmetics and, and food that was called um, consumeringredients.com and it's, that has you know all different ones that I do I'm going to do another one on uh, research on uh, cosmetics how they you know have these supposedly uh, celebrity cosmetics and they're all made by plain uh, you know, by the same company. The, I forget what they call them now at the moment. Again. It's a company that gives you the bottles and everything, the ingredients that you put your label on. A private private label. Private label? Huh. And all these celebrities that supposedly have these great products are... But they're not coming up with them themselves. On, no, sh- they just uh, put their name on the bottles. They select the bottles and they tell them what they want for, you know, moisturizer or something. Mm-hmm. And the private labelers put it in the bottle and that's it. That's uh, a lot of the uh, stuff I'm working on. That's the newest what I'm working on. Right. So as soon as I get it finished, I'm going to put it up. Okay. Well, I will uh, put that information in the show notes so people uh, know how to, uh, to get to that website. And, uh, yeah, just uh, yeah, consumer, or they can always uh, just Google my name, 
or look on Amazon under my name and see all the books that are there. Okay, that sounds good. You couldn't get a poison in your food. I'm surprised. You have to look and see. Well, maybe I didn't look hard. Maybe I didn't look hard enough. Uh, But I I mean, I do Uh, remember it was listed at Amazon, but they weren't selling, you know, a a a new copy of it. No. So it was out of print, I guess. Yeah. But thank you for telling me. I'll take a look. Hey, it was nice talking to you. Right. Do you have anything else you want to say? Well, no. I think we're I think we're done, and it was great having you on the program, and I really appreciate you taking the time. Okay. And well, I, I'm glad you're interested in it. Yeah, and I and I, uh, you know, maybe we can talk again in the future. Uh, it was a real pleasure sure, for me. Sure, anytime. You're kind of a, a you're kind of a heroine of mine because, like I said, your your dictionary well, is a is the go-to reference book for me. I'm a nut among the berries. <laughs> nut among the berries. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very okay. much. And nice you, you take Thank care. All righty. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. So, that was Ruth Winter, prolific author and legendary consumer advocate. I admire her greatly. At an age when most authors and journalists would be inactive, Ruth is still writing and exploring. Very inspirational. Here are some of the take home messages from our talk. An estimated 500 new additives show up in the American food system every year. For many years, antibiotics have been consumed by dairy cows through their feed. As a consequence, those bioactive chemicals wind up in the milk that people consume. Some children can wind up with illnesses related to the presence of those bioactive chemical contaminants. The regulatory agencies of the federal government that oversee the presence of carcinogens in the food have a difficult time determining the hazards since many cancers take a long time to develop to the point where they can actually be detected, maybe 20 years or more. As a good reference source for information on food hazards, Ruth recommends the Environmental Working Group. The federal agencies that monitor for hazards in foods and cosmetics are handicapped due to insufficient funding and staffing. Ruth says that the federal regulatory agencies are sensitive to public input, so if people are concerned about issues of food safety, they should contact the appropriate agency. It's virtually impossible to avoid food contaminants or hazardous additives in food, but exposure can be kept to a minimum by eating a diversity of foods, limiting quantities, and keeping yourself as a consumer informed about food issues. Well, that's it for today's program. Look under the show notes to find links to Ruth Winter's blog and books. To all the listeners in podcast land, old and new, I appreciate you tuning in. If you have a little more time, I'd greatly appreciate a five-star rating at the iTunes store. You can find all the episodes of Food Labels Revealed and their show notes at the hosting website called Podbean. That's www.podbean.com. Or just by Googling Food Labels Revealed. Until later, remember this. If you want to eat well and keep yourself healthy, eat food mainly from natural plants, not manufacturing plants. The outro music piece is called Scheming composed by Kevin McLeod.